Regret is a horrible thing, but you got to remember that if God can forgive you, you can forgive you. Amen? And God's got plans for your life. How many of you are still breathing? People do die in church. We'll try to raise you from the dead, but... But if you're breathing, that means your purpose is not completed. Today I'm going to need some time, two or three hours. Because today I really believe what the Lord's laid on my heart is one that most churches will not talk about. That is, whether you like it or not, there are real demons. Churches don't like to talk about demons. It makes people uncomfortable. How many believe in Jesus Christ? I believe that God is truth. Then you also have to believe in devils. Because they're all in the same. You see, if you believe in God, you got to believe in devils because they're all in the Scripture. And today I want to talk to you about why not change forward. Last week we spoke about how most people, or many people, literally all people, want to change. We all want to move forward. In fact, it's how God made us inside. What I love about the Lord is he created us to change forward. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. It is in your DNA to increase. It's in your DNA to have yourself change forward. It is who you are. But the issue is many people have never changed or choose not to change. And the reason they do not change, as we covered last week, is because they'd rather fulfill the lusts of their flesh. They would rather not have inconvenience and not have work on their hands. But the fact is, is that if you are going to change forward, it's going to cost you something. We talked last week even some practical principles that you have to apply to bring change to your life. Because if you never, if you never move forward, then you're always going to be the same. And that is not a great compliment. Can I hear an amen? amen. This, uh, this week, our, our verse for the year is uh, for Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. I'm not stumbling because I'm struggling. I'm stumbling because I'm looking at my notes. And then I looked at the time. <laughs> Scripture says, listen carefully. Turn to someone and say, hey, listen up. Come on, tell somebody else, pay attention. You're in church. Amen. How many got a Bible? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I'd encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. The reason I, and I know that we all have, and I have a Bible right here too. I have a Bible here, and I have a Bible here. On here I have probably $200,000 worth of Bible reference stuff. My library's on here. $200,000 worth of books right on that, on that computer. But guess what? Listen, you gotta, you, you gotta grab the piece of paper. Can I hear an amen? You need to write in your Bible. You need to write in your Bible. There's no, greater, there's no greater heirloom you can give your children than your Bible that's been all beat up because you've read it so much. It's fallen apart. Amen? Listen carefully. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Which means many will not. I will even put a road in the wilderness, which is miraculous, and rivers in a desert, which is miraculous. Another verse I want to cover today is James chapter 4, verse 7. And it says there this. Therefore submit to God, 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Today's Christianity does not like to talk about demonology. We don't like to talk about demons. We don't really believe in demons. In fact, we're one of the only nations because we've slid into religious apathy that we don't talk about demons. You see, in other nations, especially third world nations, you'll find that demonology is a normal thing. That demon possession and knowing that somebody is demon possessed is a real thing. That casting spells are real things. In fact, I, I just had someone send me a, a text this morning about in California, they're actually now, come on now, they're teaching curriculum in the California schools uh, to, to worship Mayan gods. Oh, come on now, you all, what? But you've all gone, or many of you have already gone to, to, uh, to uh, what do they call those things? Psychics. Oh, what? I didn't know they were bad. Well, where do you think they're getting their information? You go look out, Reiki healers. You go find people that when you're going to get a massage, you don't even ask them if they are, if they are practicing Reiki, which is releasing demon spirits into your life. We are, we are living in a society where the demons hide because they can do more work hidden here in America, where in other nations they do more and they're more flamboyant and known. Talking to uh, Prophet Ogunwumi before he went on to be with Jesus. Talking about how he would be standing up to preach in the, in the country of Liberia. And as he's starting to preach, the witch doctors would come and they'd start trying to cast spells on them while he's preaching the word. And he would just bind them up in the name of Jesus. But in America, we do have witches that come to this church. I didn't know if you knew that or not. That's why we don't have people just lay hands on people in this house. Because in the local coven, the local coven here actually send their witches to our church services to pray against the Holy Spirit while we're in church. I don't know if you knew that. You didn't know that, did you? I'm looking at some of your faces. Huh? Yes. That's real stuff. But the church doesn't like to talk about it because it makes us uncomfortable or how demons interact with our lives. You see, we do, we do serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We do serve the absolute authority. His name is Abba, Father. We are and he is the creator of all things. He is amazing. But yet on one time, we, we read it in the book of Isaiah. We read in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, Luke chapter 10. We see that there was one, one of the archangels. He was the angel over worship. His name was Lucifer son of the morning, and he decided that he was going to raise himself up above God. And so he looked at God and he says, I'm going to be greater than you. I'm going to raise myself up higher than you. And God just chuckled. Come on now. Come on. The creation telling the creator what he's going to do to him. Let's get real. Duh. And so here he, he looks back and, and God casts him out of heaven. Jesus said it best. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Come on now, don't be excited that, that the demons are subject to you, but be excited that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, because the devil, when he was cast down, according to the book of Revelation, he took one third of the angels in his rebellion. 
And in that rebellion, they were cast down. So you have Satan, and then you have Diablos, and then you have all of his angels, the fallen angels, which are demons. And even in the demonic world, there are different layers and different, different atmospheres. We have those that are on the thrones, and we have lordships in the demon world. We have rulers, authorities, principalities, and powers, rulers of darkness, evil, and unclean spirits. You see, Satan, he is defeated, but yet Satan is very organized. And the church is very ignorant. That's why you need to join rock-solid faith. Say amen. amen. Satan was cast out of heaven. We know that he was in Genesis chapter 3 as he was bringing forth the very temptation that Eve bit a hold of, and the temptation was not the fruit, but the temptation that the devil gave to Eve was that she would believe his word above God's word. And in that, the fall of man occurred. The man was then cast out of, of the garden. And the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thank God for the blood. Can I hear an amen? The blood has never lost its power. The blood breaks the back of the devil. The blood brings redemption to our soul. The blood brings forgiveness in our lives. I thank God for the blood. But Satan's job has never changed. Satan's job has always been the same. In fact, the Bible declares in Corinthians that, that we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. What we mean by devices are how he works and what he does and has his cunning ways in trying to draw you away from Christ. You see, Satan is very clear on his mode and uh, his, his design in life. It is to steal from you. It is to destroy you. And it is to kill you. That's John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's tactics haven't changed. He's very focused. He wants to torture you. He wants to torment you. He wants to keep you from knowing Jesus. And he wants to keep you, after you've been saved, from serving effectively. You see, the devil is not, is not misconstrued. He's not confused. He's very focused because especially now as we're seeing him flare his arms like he's never flared before, as we're, as we're watching the demonic and satanic activity increase upon the planet like the church has never seen before, it is not time for the church to cower. It is not time for the church to hide. It's time for the church to understand who we are and to stand in the authority that Jesus has paid for and not just take authority over devils, but make sure they're not messing with your life. Amen. I said, make sure they're not messing with your life. Amen. You see, some of you today sitting in this room, in fact, I will even come to the place of many sitting in this room that are here today, you have been either oppressed of the devil at one point in time or oppressed of the devil even at this period of time. There might even be individuals in this room right now that are possessed by Satan himself or by a demonic spirit. And if you're in the room, I want you to know, devil, in Jesus' name, today you're coming out. So many Christians are afraid to talk about it because they're going to think you're nuts. Listen, the only ones who really think you're nuts are you. Because the world is running towards the demonic. 
The world is running towards Satanism. Come on now. If you've ever listened to any of the goth music, what's that? What's that? What's that kind of music? Screamo. That's the only music I can't listen to. I love all music. I love, literally. If you drive by me at some point in time, you might hear some, uh, of course, good Christian worship, and then you'll hear gospel music, and then you might hear a countrified song, and then you might hear rap. Listen, my favorite song on the Harley is, uh, is Social Club. They're my, favorite, they're my favorite band, and it's just straight rap. When you see this old man, fat old man driving by on his Harley, you're hearing, come on now, you're hearing Social Club blaring out of the speakers. But the only kind of music I can't listen to is screamo, and I'll tell you why. Because I heard a demon manifest with that voice once before, and once you heard the voice, it's hard to listen to it even in a Christian realm. Demons are real, and the devil wants to hold you back. Satan is actively involved in your life. In fact, you have been assigned a demonic spirit. That is why so many people do not realize how a devil could know me. How a devil could, if you've gone to a psychic and all of a sudden they've told you uh, what somebody has said from the past that you loved, how would they know that? I'll tell you how. Because there was a demon assigned to that one who died and they brought that conversation to the one who's dispelling it called a psychic. That is very real. And why? Because demons are real and active. And if you and I do not pay attention, then they they will literally hold us back from the assignment that heaven has distributed to us and God will not get glory from your life. I'm not saying you won't go to heaven, but I'm saying that you won't enjoy heaven on earth and you will not fulfill your purpose and destiny. So demons are very real and I'm concerned at the body of Christ as we don't like, we don't like to, we want to conceal them. Don't talk about them. They're going to think you're crazy. Now listen, if you go to the BSU, do not tell them you see demons because we'll be visiting you a long time and you'll be on a lot of medications. <laughs> I remember one time I got a call. One of the ladies from the church, I'm like a quiet woman. She was in her late 50s, early 60s, very reserved. And I got a call that she had been brought into the BSU unit and she was literally going berserk. And I walked into the room. This is when you could do that. I walked into the room at the BSU and I looked and I looked at her and I said, oh, that's a devil. Well, that's not nice to call her a devil. No, 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 no. She wasn't the devil. I'm talking a devil had lit on her and was torturing her and her reaction was one of rebellion and her reaction was one as that spirit that she had given permission to was lording over her life. And then I looked at her and I said, doctor, can I just have a moment, please? They walked out and I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, I bind you in Jesus' name. I command you to lose her right now. Come off. And literally, she got quiet. The doctor came in, they observed her for longer, and they said, we don't know what you did, preacher, but it worked. I, and I didn't say nothing to the doctor, but I want to tell you, I didn't do nothing. Oh, the blood has never lost its power. The devils know who you are. The devils are afraid of the name of Jesus, and they know that the greatest ploy they have in you is remaining quiet or that you will not believe in them yourself. 
It's not strange that we hear family members come back and say, my child is struggling at sleep. They're saying that somebody's in the room. That's a devil in their room. Well, that's just a poltergeist. No such thing as a poltergeist. There's no such thing as a ghost. A ghost is a demon spirit. A poltergeist, even a nice poltergeist, is a demon spirit. They are not people that are wandering the earth looking for peace. When you die, if you're born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You are going to go from your physical tent to heaven itself. Glory to God. And one day the trumpet of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You're going to be the first one where your body meets your spirit in heaven, and you're going to be judged. But if you don't know Jesus, you're not wandering the earth. You're literally cast into hell. Hell is a holding tank and has been since the Garden of Eden for all that are wicked. If you don't know Jesus washed in the blood, then you've chosen to pay for your own sins. The wages of sin is death. That's why you don't play when it comes to forgiveness. You don't play when it comes to having the opportunity to be saved. You don't know if that's your last time. And simply what you're doing when you reject the blood of Christ, you're saying, God, I don't care what your son did. I'm willing to pay the price myself. Oh, my goodness, how can God send anybody to hell? God sends no one to hell. You've chosen to pay your own price for sin. And so here we are. When you die as a wicked person, not covered in the blood, you're sent to hell. You're not getting out of there to go hang out and go hang out with your friends. Well, I saw my loved one after they died. No, you didn't see a loved one. The Bible says it's called a familiar spirit. You saw a demon manifesting in the physical body or the physical voice of a loved one to try to draw you to themselves. We had an individual at one time. They were married for over 50 years and their husband passed away. And the daughters came to me very concerned and said, Pastor, my ma, she says, every day my dad appears in the kitchen with her and they sit down and they spend hours together. She said, Pastor, I understand that that is a demon spirit. I understand that it is a familiar spirit, but my ma loves that she's meeting and she thinks with my dad. And I want to tell you what happens when you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put your eyes on a devil. You're going to find yourself drawn away from the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. And you're going to start serving a wicked God. Come on now, small g. It's time to recognize that the church cannot be ignorant any longer. I am in deep trouble. Three main activities of a demonic spirit. Number one, they will influence your life. Has anybody ever gone to a supermarket before and they've walked in the checkout aisle? When you walk in the checkout aisle, man, you don't even like candy, but you look over. And they do it for your children. Do you realize they hire psychologists to set up uh, supermarkets? They, 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 they actually hire psychologists to, to work on wrappings of candy bars. I don't even like Three Musketeers, but that's the first one my eyes always go to. Shiny. 
have just been, man, you're living for God, you're enjoying Jesus, and all of a sudden, you just feel an influence to do something that you know that you're not supposed to do or that you used to do, but you would never have thought about doing it again, but now you're feeling influence in that direction. You're feeling a draw, and all of a sudden, it's a temptation where it had not been a temptation for years. The demonic spirits love to influence the children of God. They love to come in and lay a plate out for you and say, this is something that you'll like. They, they want to titillate your flesh man, your soulish man. If you've not yet taken rock-solid faith, then ignorance for you is not bliss. You've got to learn how to live on purpose instead of living on accident. The second type of uh, demonic activity is one called oppression. Oppression is one where a believer will live a life of disobedience and open the door for a demonic spirit to actually latch upon them. So I'm not talking a demon living in you. That's different, Pastor Cody. But I'm talking a demon spirit will try to latch upon you. So they'll sit here, they'll sit here, they'll whisper here. Your shoulder's sore? Don't sit on my shoulder. I won't sit on your shoulders, I promise. <laughs> but you will find that a demon will literally... <laughs> Stop choking me. <laughs> Well, that's my job to choke you out. <laughs> so the demon will literally get on you and stay on you and walk with you morning, noon, and night. And it's called an oppression, an oppressive spirit. Now, I, I know what I weigh. <laughs> and I know that Pastor Cody's a big weightlifter every morning at... 5 a.m., he's at the gym lifting weights. He's a strong man. But the fact is, is that when you start dealing with a spirit of oppression, at first you think you're strong enough to be able to handle the oppression, the intimidation, the, the, the weightiness of a demon spirit. But after a while, I could stay on his, on his back, after a while he's going to get tired, no matter how strong he is. The third type of activity a demon spirit does in a person is possess them. Possession is different from oppression. Oppression is upon, possession is in. Just as Jesus, you ask him to be the Lord of your life and he comes in and dwells inside of you, a demon spirit will also possess a person and that is why we are seeing evil like we have never seen evil before. We sit back and we wonder how a man, come on now, how a man can kill somebody and eat their flesh. That is possession. How a man or a woman can sexually abuse children. That is a spirit. How we're seeing the lies, come on now, lies and manipulation of dealing with abortion. There's demon spirits behind all of that. Demon spirits strive to steal, kill, and destroy. I've got great news for you, though. If you're born again, if you are, shout amen. Amen. If you're not, say, oh my. Amen. 
We're going to give an altar call for sure. <laughs> if you're not born again, then a demon can possess you. If you are born again, a demonic spirit cannot possess you, but can only oppress you. Now that sounds better, and it is, because you're not owned by a demon. When you are possessed, literally there is ownership by that demon spirit. And that demon can do with you whatever they desire to do. We read about it in the book of, uh, in, I think in, in two of the Gospels, where Jesus got out of the boat and a man who was living in the caves was all chained up, would literally break the chains and he lived within the tombs. I want you to realize that demons were cast out of him that day. Thousands of devils were cast out of him that day. That's right, they, they don't have to take on physical size. They're spiritual beings. As a Christian, you cannot be demon-possessed. Say amen. amen. But as a Christian, you can be oppressed because you have lived the life of a disobedience in some arena and you've invited the devil to take a literal activity in your life to take up a resident on the exterior of who you are. Say amen or oh my. I've got a rush. When a demonic entity has been given the right to attach, they will strongly influence you. They will control you. They will lord over you. They can't own you. But they will so strongly influence you that it will be so compelling, it's like you don't have choices. It's different from your flesh. Watch now. You can't pray out the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh. What is the flesh? That's your soulish man, your intellect, your emotions, and your will. That's your fleshly desires, your sensuality, your sexuality your desires for, uh, for all different types of sins. That is coming out of your flesh, man. The Bible says your flesh is the enemy of God. The Bible talks about how your flesh is used in temptation. James chapter 1, 14 and 15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Those desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it brings forth death. But the great part about the flesh, if you're born again, shout amen. amen. That Jesus broke the power of sin in your life. He broke the power of the flesh in your life. Romans chapter 6 says, I am no longer a slave to sin. It does not own me. I am not possessed by it. I am not lorded over by it. That sin has lost its power. My soul no longer is in control, but the Holy Spirit is in control of my life. The Bible says that when you're tempted, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Shout, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. So what this means is this. As a Christian, when your flesh is, listen now, you are going to be tempted. That's life. Temptations are not abnormal. The temptation is not the sin. 
It's submitting to the temptation that is the sin. We're all going to be tempted. It said it right there in Corinthians that every temptation that we have, other people have experienced. But God is always going to have a way out. It's different when you're oppressed. You can be born again and love Jesus. But when you're oppressed by a demonic spirit, you do not have the same element of control. Because, watch now, you have given it away. People will talk about, well, I can't wait. Somebody asked me this. Pastor, when New York State makes marijuana legal, is it a sin to smoke pot? Absolutely. What? I'll tell you why. Because one of the sins of the flesh found in Galatians chapter 5 is called witchcraft. And when you break that word witchcraft down, it literally means drugs. Pharmacia is the actual Greek word. Where it talks about now you are opening yourselves up. Listen now, this is the same with alcohol. When you open yourself, listen, I can't tell you how many times people have told me, well, you know, I was at the bar the other day and I got a little tipsy. And yeah, we were all talking about Jesus. That's right, you get real spiritual when you get drunk. Why? Because you don't gird up the loins of your mind. The Bible says that we have got to be aware of the works of the devil. We've got to be aware of where we are. And when we can be, listen, when you get drunk, well, I don't, I don't drink to get drunk just to get a buzz. Then that means you don't trust the Holy Spirit for your peace. That was just something else. That just came out. I'm sorry. Well, I need a glass of wine to relax. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You might as well get rid of the Holy Ghost because he means nothing to your life. Because if you need a drink to get peace, then you've forgotten who the Prince of Peace is. You need salvation. So here we are, when you get into drugs and when you get into alcohol, you're literally lowering the girding of your mind, which means this. What you're actually doing is you're saying to the demonic spirits, I am not paying attention. Take advantage of me. And the more you participate with those, the more the door has been blown open for them to take a different posture in your life. Not just influence, but attaching. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those that are struggling with oppressive spirits. We've seen it now over this whole coronavirus thing. Probably one of the most powerful spirits that we're seeing now on the planet is the spirit of fear and phobia. Somebody told me recently, well, I, I do my life's business. I go to Lowe's. I go here. I go here. I do this. I do that. But I can't come to church. I don't want to get infected or infect anybody else. Well, what about Lowe's? You don't care about those people? You go to work every day, you don't care about them? Come on now, it doesn't make sense. You see, listen now, this is one of the ways you're going to tell whether you are dealing with an oppressive spirit. When it makes no sense, there's something else involved. 
when it doesn't make sense, when fear is more powerful than the anointing, that doesn't make sense. That is a spirit of fear. Fear, I want to remind you, is the baby. Grown-up fear is called phobia, which then controls every aspect of your life. If a person is dealing with a phobia, they are dealing with an oppressive demonic spirit. There are people afraid to cross bridges. Why? It might fall. You're that heavy? Oh, come on now. I'm going to, get a little, I'm going to dance a little bit. I, I'm, I'm afraid to go into small spaces. Why? It's going to shrink. I'm afraid of heights. Listen, 1,000, 10,000 people have been up that same flight of stairs, and no one has, has not collapsed yet. You're going to be all right. You see, when it doesn't make sense anymore, it is graduated to a demonic activity. This is some of the easiest ways to tell whether you're dealing with an oppressive spirit or a spirit or, or just your flesh man. Your flesh man will say, that's stupid. Come on now. I'm going here, 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 and here. I can go to church. You're here, aren't you? There are people that look at their life and they're going here, 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 but I can't go to church. There is no intelligence in that statement. So there is a fear that is birthed not out of man, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So that spirit of fear, that demonic spirit called fear, will be actively involved in your life, and therefore it will drive you. Listen, the moment you give the spirit of fear one grade in your life, he's going to take grade two, grade three, grade four, and then all of a sudden you're going to have agoraphobia, and you're not going to be able to leave your house anymore because you're afraid of people. You know how I know that's demonic? Because God created you to love people. You can't love them if you're afraid of them. Oh, yeah, we're in trouble. We're in big, big, big trouble. When you feel a compulsion that is just so driving, it takes over intelligence. I remember when I was dealing with a sexual sin back when I was in Bible college, and I was on the road uh, with a drama team. And I was dealing with the spirit of lust. It wasn't just flesh. I mean, just flesh. I mean, if you're, if you're not looking at any girls, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be nasty. But if you're not looking at any girls, then we need to pray for you anyways. But I'm, I'm talking like, you know, I was in college, and, and there's some girls with, you know, in the nice pear-shaped fannies walking by. And I said, oh, Jesus, I love them. And then, you know, you're, you're watching things. And, and all of a sudden, it maturated. And I started literally being, I was looking at every girl's rear end that was walking by. And then I, re listen now, and then I remember when I was on the road as, an, uh, uh, on the road as uh, drama uh, uh, with our Bible college, we traveled all over, the, all over the America and into Canada. I remember I was in New Jersey, and I was, we were driving down the road, and there's a girl walking there. She was nice, tight jeans on, and, and I'm looking at her, and the Holy Spirit said, you are in sin. 
I said, huh? He said, if you see my creation the first time, that's just, you saw them. But your second and third look is lust. If you keep looking in that direction, you're going to be so driven that's going to take you out of my kingdom. Amen. And all the men said, don't say nothing because your wife going to beat you. There's a need to identify when there's such a compulsion that it's beyond your capability of the flesh. You see, listen, as a born-again Christian, when you are tempted, you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the grace of God, the anointing of God that destroys every yoke of bondage to take authority over that temptation and say, I will not be drawn into this. I will not do this. I will not go here. I will not go there. I will not not speak this we have the authority and the power to break the back but when you are oppressed there is a compulsion that's beyond simple understanding a compulsion and a drive that seems to overtake you a simple limit what simply would have been easy now literally is owning you that is when a spirit is involved that's why porn is such an evil thing you know, 50 years ago, gentlemen and ladies, it used to be a man's sin. Now it's also a woman's sin. I've dealt more with women dealing with porn right now than I've dealt with men dealing with porn right now. I had a husband and wife come in my office, and I said, no porn in your marriage. And he said, okay, pastor. And she said, I'm not giving it up. 50 years ago, you'd have to go to the local store and say, can I have that, that magazine that's covered in brown paper and look at it? And everybody in the store is going, he's looking at porn, he's looking at porn, he's looking at porn. <laughs> and you're embarrassed. Nowadays, you open your email and there's somebody there that shouldn't be there. Say amen. amen. Come on now. It's so easy, and that's why we're seeing young men. You want to know why pornography has been at an increase that it has never been before? Because Satan is trying to put into bondage our young people, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. These young people are now getting delved into pornography and are becoming oppressed by driven spirits. That's why we're now seeing sexual sin at the highest level we've ever seen it before. Are you with me? Wow. We're going to go really late. Sadness. Depression. We're seeing it now more than we've ever seen it before. I'm not talking sinners. I'm talking Christians. Isaiah chapter 63, 61 verse 3 says, he calls it a spirit of heaviness. Listen. Discouragement is not an abnormal emotional sensation. But when discouragement grows up, it becomes depression. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Praise and worship in the... But watch now. So many Christians are so... They have such a spirit, a demon of heaviness. They walk around like pig pen. Or Eeyore. 
you ever met Eeyore? Well, you know. That's a spirit of heaviness. It is no longer just the flesh. It has grown up and now a spirit is influencing and literally moving on a person. It's time to recognize that when you're dealing with sadness that is overwhelming, you're dealing with depression that is overwhelming, there is a spirit involved with that. Well, pastor, it could be mental illness. And I believe true in mental illness, but Jesus still can heal the mentally ill. Addictions, alcohol, drugs. Listen, you know as well as I do, if you've ever tried to quit smoking, some of the hardest you try to quit chewing. Some people say it's harder to quit chewing than it is, than it is smoking. My brother-in-law died from chewing tobacco. Lost half his tongue, and then they had to cut the rest of his tongue out, and then he died of throat cancer. I don't know, it just doesn't take a lot of convincing for me. When you're dying of throat cancer, when you see somebody die with their tongue half, half cut off and then cut off. People are driven by addictions. Listen, get addicted to Jesus for goodness sakes. Come on now. But when you're so driven that you can't control it, you know there's something there. Well, it's the drugs they're putting in the, in the stuff. Yes, and that is true too. So listen, whatever you got to do, get off it. Can I hear an amen? But if you're so driven, you can't even get off it when you're trying to even take the patch or these other aspects. Come on now. You're probably dealing with an oppressive spirit. Do you realize that entities... Entities are allowed in your homes by what you have. I remember there was a man who called me on the phone when I lived in Newfield as pastor. And he called me. He lived in the, the trailer park down there uh, off of 34. And he said, Pastor, things are moving around in my house. My lights are being turned on and off. Uh, um, doors are opening and closing in the nighttime. I hear people walking in the hallways in the nighttime. Can you come down to my house? Now, you see, he loved Jesus. He wasn't possessed. But a demon was actively oppressing the literal vicinity that he dwelt in. And I went into his house and I said, what do you got here that is giving the open opportunity, the openness to a demonic spirit? And he had over in the corner, he had a Native American witch doctor stick that he loved because it was, it was uh, beautiful, he said. And I said, watch now, I'm going to help you. Go put that in the shed, and you'll find all the stuff happening in your house stopping. You got booze in your house? You're giving the devil's opportunity to come into your house. You got porn in your house? You're giving the devil's opportunity to come into your house and oppress your home. And if your children are not strong enough, then that oppression will affect your kids. Yeah. Alcohol is not just called beer. It's called beer and spirits. What do you think they call it spirits for? Because you're going to conjure them up when you have them. I know, I'm in trouble. Your thoughts... Demons can literally oppress your thinking process. 
That's why the Bible says to take into captivity every thought and imagination that would raise itself up against God. Because the devils will come and whisper in your ears. The devils will come and oppress how you talk and how you think and how, you, how your processes are. They will influence your processes. They can't own your processes because you can't be possessed as a believer. But they can influence them. Bitterness. It's amazing to realize the verse that says don't give a foothold to the devil is talking about bitterness. When you're bitter and unforgiving, the Bible says that you're literally giving an oppressive demonic spirit the freedom to come in and to possess, excuse me, oppress your life. I don't know about you, but I strive to forgive quickly. I've had experiences, and one not too long ago, that was a genuine challenge to this forgiveness factor. And I had to make a decision. Is this person worth, worth going to hell over? Because if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Is this person worth losing my joy over? No. Is this person worth selling a part of my thinking? Because when you are bitter, they literally own a piece of your mind. They now control where you go. They control how you think, your opening thought, and your end thought of the day. Ooh, come on now. The Bible says that's giving a foothold to an oppressive devil. We've got to make decisions in our lives. The devils have no place. I said this one time, and a man got very angry with me. But you've got to... Start hating the devil. I said, you got to start hating the devil. But you he, the man actually said to me, he says, well, I don't hate the devil. I pray for him to get saved. He ain't getting saved. He's been cast down. <laughs> you got to hate sin. You got to hate sickness. You got to hate disease. And you got to hate the devil in your life. And when you like him in any way, you're giving him opportunity to influence. And an oppressive spirit doesn't just influence, it's compulsive. It's like you can't seem to turn away from it. You got to make decisions in your life. Who do you want to control you? You see, because even if you're oppressed today in this room, you can be freed in milliseconds. And the way you can be freed in milliseconds is because the Bible says that Jesus gave us all authority over the power of the devil. Luke 10, 19. Listen carefully. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of Satan and nothing in any way will harm you. See, don't ever be afraid of a demon intimidated by a demon they're afraid of you unless you don't know who they are if you don't understand how they work then you'll actually invite them in to come down and hang out with you you got to make a decision that oppressive spirits have no place in your life 
And that means you got to do some practical things just as well as you got to do some spiritual things. And the spiritual thing is now you've got to take authority over that spirit in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? You've got to bind that devil in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? You've got to plead the blood of Jesus in your life. Can I hear an amen? Mark 16, 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. Listen, Jesus wouldn't have told us to cast them out and or off if they weren't still active. Here's the verse that we opened with, and I'm going to end with it real quickly. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will not leave you, though, because he's stronger. Oh, it's not what it says. That's right. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, here's the key. You can get him to flee, but don't open the door back up. Off all the couples living together, we've had a lot of, we've had them leave in times past. But for all the couples living together and having sex together that aren't married together, I want to remind you that you're constantly opening that door to the demonic activity in your life because you're committing fornication or disobedience. So therefore, you're allowing a demon spirit to enter your life actively. And you need to make a decision. Do I love God more than I love sex? Listen, I didn't say love them because you can love them without having sex with them. Come on now, say amen. And if you love them enough, baby, if you're willing to bet them, you should be wedding them. Come on, ladies, shut the shop down. The boys will make a decision whether they want to actually marry you or not. Sorry, guys. I'd like you to stand to your feet with me this morning. I've gone extremely late and have enjoyed every moment of it. I'm going to pray for you now. I need your attention. I don't want anybody going in or out right now, if you can help it. Please don't be moving around. I said, please don't be moving around. This is a holy moment right here. The devils want you to get so agitated that you will leave before you get your deliverance. They want you to get so antsy. We went so late. Baby, you watched a movie and you sat there two hours. And her name was Wonder Woman. This is a holy moment because some of you need deliverance. I'm not saying you're possessed, but I'm saying you're dealing with oppression. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I want you to pray right out loud with me. Jesus, I thank you that I'm a child of God. I thank you that you are my owner, my Lord. My king, my master, I thank you for breaking the power of sin in my life. I am no longer controlled but by anybody but you. Jesus, you know the sin that so easily besets me. You know the door that I usually crack open when the devil is tempting my life. But thank you that I can shut it hard, that the devils have no right, because I'm more powerful than them. Jesus, if there is an oppressive devil in my life, 
I take authority over it right now. In Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of fear. I bind phobias in Jesus' name. I command you to go. In Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of perversion. I command that demon to go. In Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of influence. In Jesus' name. My thoughts will be upon you. I will have peace because you are my thoughts. I bind the spirit of addiction in my life. You foul demon spirit, I command you to loose me right now in Jesus' name. I break the spirit of cigarettes. I break the spirit of alcohol. I break the spirit of addictions in my life. No drug controls me. Jesus, I receive my deliverance. I speak right now to the spirit of heaviness. You spirit of heaviness, spirit of depression, spirit of sadness, I break your back in my life. I command you to loose me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In Jesus' name. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. No sin, no oppression will overlord my life from this day forward. I am a child of the King of Kings. I am his heir and a joiner of Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. I live in victory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. With your heads bowed real quickly, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to pray one more prayer. Right now, if you're possessed in this room, I speak to that demon that is possessing you. You are trespassing. You are trespassing in this house. You have no right to be in this room. I command you, and you have no right in their body. I command you, demon spirit that is possessing that individual. I said, go in the name of Jesus. Now today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you need him as your Lord, I want you to slide your hand up right now. Listen, now it's smart to get saved. The devils lose their power when you're born again. When they don't, man, you're, you're what I call dog food. They can play with you any way they want. They can do anything they want to your life because literally the God of this world is your Lord. Today, if you do not know Jesus and you want him as your Savior, raise your hand. I'm not going to take long. Five, four, three, two, last call, and one. Father, I thank you that in these last days, you're raising up a remnant church filled with a stronger anointing than the world has ever seen, even in the day of Pentecost. You need us more, oh God, than you've ever needed us before as your church. We will be filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We will not be bound up by any devil. We will run this race and we will finish it and we will hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We will fulfill the very destiny that you have birthed us for on this planet in Jesus' name. God, I speak blessing over each one that's in this room and I declare, God, that you are good and your mercies endure forever. 
devil, hear me quickly. Every time you try to come back and knock on that door and get him to open it up, I thank you that Jesus, the thundering voice of heaven, is going to be reverberating in their heart and they're going to bind you up and cast your thought, your imagination, even your temptation out. Victory in Jesus. We give you all the honor and praise. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you so much. We are so excited. I know I preached long, but I'm not going to apologize. That was good stuff. In fact, you need to get online and listen to it again or stay in second service. I love you.